Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. All right, here we are, guys. Welcome back to Episode 3 of Create Your Own Light Podcast. I'm so excited to have this thing still rolling, man. I hope that we've... um inspired a few of you to keep on listening tell your people about it i'm actually having a good time i got all this new recording equipment and uh folks were asking me about my book my book create your own light when's it going to be available on audio travis and fuck i didn't know until now now i'm having so much fun recording these podcasts i've started reading off chapters of my book and if you want my audio book that's going to be available too i'm going to have it up hopefully by spring same time that these podcasts come out and you can listen to my country ass read my book. So there, it's coming out. I'm excited. On today's episode, I have um, I took I took a poll on Instagram a few days ago, and was asking about various topics. And I love the feedback you guys give because you inundate me with topic ideas, and I want to hit all of your ideas. But I can only do so many in one episode. So I'm gonna start talking about some of these. And as I said, I don't do any editing, so whatever I say, however it comes out, um, that's just going to be what it is. And if I don't cover something in-depth enough, we can always get back to it later at another time. I'm trying to hit various topics, and there's so much that goes into each of these topics. I mean, I could literally talk about one topic for three days straight. But I want to keep it interesting and engaging and you know, trying to stay around the 35 to 40 minute mark on these podcasts so I don't keep you too long and you can do you know, listen to them on your commute or listen to them during your cardio or your toilet session, whatever. So having said that, one of the inquiries that came in, hang on, I've got to take my damn hoodie off. It's getting hot in my office. One of the, one of the things, one of the, um, see, I don't do any edits. One of the topics that came in was the pros and cons versus country life and city life. Now, Those of you that follow me, you know that I recently bought a farm out in the country and I had to do that for sanity reasons. I grew up in the country and I said that in other episodes, so I won't won't beat beat that down. Um, But I needed that country back in my life. Man, let me tell you something. If you don't have some country in your life, you have no idea what you're missing. I'm in the city right now because, you know, my family's here. You know, my, um, my kids go to school here. My wife works here. I don't want to be an absent father, but I want to be on that fucking country nonstop. I go out there and I spend two or three days, man. And it is like pulling teeth, come back in and come back into the city. And the kids are starting to get, um, 
a little restless. They're like, Daddy, when can we go back to the country? When can we go back to the country? Can we skip school today and go back to the country? I'm like, hell yeah, boy, let's go. I'm going to tell you right now, if you have only been in a city, you got to go out to the country and, and like get a weekend with your family or a weekend to yourself or whoever you spend it with, your mistress, your mistor, whatever. Go get a weekend in the country and you will be a changed individual. It's so peaceful out there. You don't realize how much people suck until you get away from them. It's great. All you're just out there with nature. I said pros and cons versus the city life and the country life. There are no pros to the con- to, to the city life. There's no pros. It's only cons, baby. Convicts. <laughs> so... Now, I would have to say the pros of living in the city is the convenience. I'm going to tell you why. Where my farm is located, I don't divulge that because I don't want the guy with the um, the fucking uh, goddamn barbecue sauce in Memphis showing up and trying to have a little little sauce party with me. Um, if you listen to episode one, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but we're talking about convenience, man. Like, So here at my house in Charleston, I have literally three grocery stores within a golf cart's distance drive. I can get on my golf cart and go to any grocery store, coffee shop, um, be at the beach. We're a mile from the beach. That's cool. Um, Shopping's right down the street, the movie theater, all that entertainment and all that good stuff. It's fantastic. And in the country, all you got is a family dollar, baby. That's it. Like there is no grocery store. The family dollar, make them holler. Two for three dollars, whatever. I'm trying to come up with a rhyme. That's why I'm not a rapper. Um, that's it. That's all we got. And it takes you 25 minutes round trip to get to the family dollar that doesn't carry usually anything. So if you want the luxury out in the country, you got to drive a little bit further. So I got to drive about 30 minute, 35 minute round trip if I want to get to the actual to the food line or the buy low grocery store to where they actually carry all the goodies. And it's just um, it's just not a great experience. So we actually, when we go to the country, we usually pack up everything here and then go out there. So it's inconvenient as shit living in the country, but it's also amazing being out in the country because you don't have all the stressors. You get to unplug. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, we don't even have cable or Wi-Fi out there. And it takes me, I know you see some of my stories. Sometimes I got to get on my tractor and drive all around my property to get to find a sweet spot to, um, to upload something because it just, just fucking spinning. So I know that sounds inconvenient and uh, less desirable to a lot of people, um, but I'm going to tell you right now, you get a taste of that and you're going to love it. So I recommend try it out. Get out of the city for a while. Get to the country. And country people, don't even come into the city. You ain't missing shit. So another topic I had was what training the everyday person should know. Medical, survival, combat, etc. Now, I don't prep for any of these things. I'm more of like a uh, free thinker, and I just like to just roll with it. Um, what's turkey? Be quiet. Turkey's too behind me on the floor. Um, I'm more of a free thinker, and I just kind of roll with it. So as far as everyday training goes, I know we have a lot of tactical mindset people that um, that I'm engaged with on Instagram, and then we have some that probably aren't. I'm going to tell you, my backgrounds made me a very – um, observant person. And that's because I had to be. And I look around at people, I have what they call operational security. It's called OPSEC. 
And I notice a lot of people do not have that. You can walk up behind some people sometimes and they have no clue you're even standing there. And what's scary is they'll be with their family. So when I watch a lot of these um, things happen and unfold on TV, I wonder just how many people are get harmed because they just don't even realize what's going on around them. And it's scary. I've had a lot of people say, Travis, you're paranoid because you, you sleep with guns by your bed and you lock all your doors. And you, man, shit, let me tell you something. I've been exposed to the real world. And I, at times, and I wrote about this in my book, I wish I had the luxury of living in a bubble my entire life sometimes. So I can unsee and undo a lot of the things I've seen and done. But I don't have that luxury. I can't go backwards. I can only go forwards. And so I've been, um, I guess, um, exposed to a lot of evil in this world. And it's out there. It is definitely out there. And I don't think, do I think everybody's evil? No. Do I think... There is more than um, more evil out there than most people think. Yes, I don't trust people. I don't trust people at all. Um, you have to be that way sometimes, unfortunately, to protect yourself and your family. Um, I don't, as far as medical training training goes, I think everybody should know like when it's appropriate, like either how to do CPR, how to help someone choking, obviously, but also I think. Do I think everybody needs to be trained in mass casualty drills? No. Do I think everybody should be able to treat a sucking chest wound? I would hope not, because if, if that's the case, if we need everybody to know how to do that, we're living in a pretty fucked up place. So um we're not, you know, we're not living in, in a war zone, you know, per se, but <laughs> I so I don't expect people to know how to treat a sucking chest wound. But if you know how, a hey, hat's off to you, teach your family because you know you may you may need it. Um Combat training, I also don't expect that we should be training. Sorry if my microphone just moved. With combat training, I don't think we need to be um, doing fire and maneuver drills. Uh, I'm up, they see me, I'm down. Uh, Military people will know that. Most will. um, Infantry style people will know that. Um, You know, I don't get into all of that. But I do try to teach my family just to be more observant. You know, know what cars belong in your neighborhood. Know what cars your neighbors drive. Notice how they park. Um, I know that sounds stupid, but a lot of times um, I can spot little, little differences inside of my community or just anywhere that I am. And it raises like a couple of flags. Like, why is that car backed in versus pulled in straight? And these are things that I don't have conversations with people about, but I certainly start thinking about things. And I'm wondering, all right, that's a different car at this house, but it's backed in. Is somebody over there, somebody uh, about to pack up a bunch of shit and walk out? Now, fortunately for me, we live in a very good neighborhood and that stuff doesn't really take place, but that doesn't mean that I haven't been exposed to that and I've lost sight of how to, um, I guess, prepare for those things. I think one of my biggest thing is driving and I, I'm an advocate for defensive driving. And what I mean by that is you don't have to worry about yourself. You have to worry about all these other people out there. And I know a lot of you are shaking your head because when I grew up, you had to worry about a D, getting hit by a DUI. Now you have to worry about not only DUI, but getting hit by the fucking LOL. You know, somebody texting, somebody watching a movie. Um, just people do not pay attention. So I always tell, I, I try to teach my children when, when we're driving. And I'm like, look, kids. Daddy's watching in all three mirrors. I know where every car is at every given moment. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm the best driver in the world, okay? I'm not saying that. 
But what I'm saying is I try to prepare myself and I'm always watching way ahead of where I'm driving. I don't watch the car in front of me. I watch 10 cars in front of me. All right. I watch way up the road and I watch how people are reacting and maybe I can't see what they're reacting to, but I'm watching their reaction, which is in turn preparing my reaction to their reaction. And I think so many people don't do that. And I think they just get caught up on what's going on in their little world inside of their car. And before they know it, bam, the fucking bumper of another car is inside your windshield. And that's how that happens. How if you're just a little bit more mindful of what's going on around you, a lot of times life will be a little bit easier and you don't have to learn lessons sometimes the hard way. Um, I don't know if that answered the question or not, but that's kind of where I decided to go with it. Um, I'll tell you, uh, one of the biggest stressors that I have is when my girls want to go bike riding because bike riding is hard because like when we're walking, I can control the situation for the most part. I'm with them. I'm with when within one arm's distance, but when we're bike riding, it's out of my control. And I am a very, very hyper vigilant motherfucker because of the worlds that I've lived in. I've been to a lot of unfortunate scenes and, um, they have involved bicycles and, um, they've involved adults and they've involved children. So you can only imagine when I'm out there, the protection mode that I go into, I circle like a buzzard and I make my wife go with me because I have to have somebody in the back and I have to be in the front and people just don't care anymore. They're just, they, they're so dismissive of the fact that people are on bicycles in the road off to the side of the road, they drive by really fast. They just, there's, there's zero, I guess, um, consideration for people anymore. And it just sucks. And kids don't understand the dangers of the world. Now I'm not here trying to be a fear monger. Don't get me wrong. Um, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm trying to say, but you just have to be prepared for everything. So my mind is in hyper overdrive when my kids are on bicycles and when I'm out with them. But when we stop to take a fucking Facebook picture, you wouldn't never see that because it's all smiles, right? So just be just be aware of what's going on around you. Always always watch things people are doing. I try to teach my girls when we're on bicycles. I'm like, look, what color are reverse lights? And my oldest is like, white. And I say, okay. I said, what light comes on right before the reverse light? She says, the red ones. Because inevitably, people put their foot on the brake before they could put the car in reverse. And I said, all right, so when you see that, what does that mean? That means a car is backing out of the driveway, daddy. Yes, you're right. See, what do you look for other than that? And she tells me, she's like, I look for people walking out of their house to their cars. And I look for people just sitting in cars when I'm riding my bike because they may just be sitting in their car and they haven't put their foot on the brake. And I was like, good. So she's learning to be observant of the situation around her. And it's ever changing every few feet. You know, you, you got to constantly be watching everything around you. Um, that's where I go to with the everyday training that I think people should know. Um, so I hope that covered it. We could literally talk about scenarios all day. Uh, and if y'all want to do that, just, just DM me once you hear this and let me know what you, what your thoughts are and we could pick up on it and run with it from there. Um, another cool one that I had that, you know, like I say, I don't, I like to just freestyle with this stuff. I don't like to sit down and write out a a perfect answer for you guys. Um, I like it to happen, you know, organically and naturally. So I just make the notes of, of what your requests were. And this request was the mental emotional hacks for overcoming a battlefield of the mind. So 
I don't know of any tricks, any hacks, but I do know this. I do know that if you have suffered with PTSD, you had any kind of um, emotional trauma as far as anxiety, depression, mental health issues or whatever, it is on you and nobody else to make that better, right? I write about this in my book a lot and because it's I'm passionate about this stuff, there are people that can help you, but ultimately you got to want to help yourself. And when you're having a fucked up day, you have to be the one that takes that fucked up day by the throat and put it against the wall and choke it the fuck out. Nobody else is going to do that for you. Nobody's going to come along, snap their fingers and be a day maker and just make your day. You have to be able to stop and recognize. And and when I speak about this, I speak about it from my own experiences. I'm not trying to tell you what, that this works for everybody, right? But I have found that it works for me. There's an old saying, don't let five minutes ruin your entire day. And we're good about doing that. We're, we're, we're good about letting a shitty five minutes control the rest of the day. And we think, oh, the fucking world's coming. I mean, it's not true. Here's what I do. Here's my emotional hack or my life hack to emotional problems. You got to step away from the problem and breathe. And then you have to consciously think to yourself how fortunate you really are. Because whatever you're probably thinking about, whatever is affecting you, is very minuscule in the grand scheme of life. But at the time, it's just so polarizing. You can't see all the blessings around you. And that's what I've had to learn to do. Something shitty goes wrong, and I immediately want to focus 100% of my energy and my efforts on that. And that's exactly what we shouldn't do. We should do is step away before you react to that. Step away. And start thinking about all the things that you are truly, truly blessed with. And you'd be amazed when you start thinking about your life. Of all the great things that are really happening in your favor. And it's not so fucking bad. So that's that's the advice or the hack that I have for overcoming the battlefield of a mind. Look, some of us are definitely more emotionally damaged and scarred than others. This isn't a competition. I never put all of my trauma on a pedestal and say, hey, look at my trauma. None of you will ever live up to this because you know what? There's somebody out there with way more trauma than I've experienced. This isn't a competition. How we choose to deal with what we've been exposed to is what's important. We all react differently. Some people may be able to handle the stuff I've been through and act like it's never even happened. And they may be okay with it. They may be able to compartmentalize it so well that their, their life is just normal and they're happy. I wasn't able to do that. All of my shit came out and tipped over and, it, and I had a hard time putting it all back in the, into the um, traumatic filing cabinet, if you will. And it took well over a decade for me to even kind of get it squared away. And I still, I mean, I still struggle with it. So we all have our problems and we choose normally We choose how we want to react to those problems. And a lot of us, I think, unfortunately, let the problem control us versus us control the problem. And, uh, you know, I'm guilty of it, too. Uh, I'm very transparent with you guys. I'm certainly guilty of flipping the fuck out on small stuff. Like, you guys, I'm telling you right now, you see the the smiles and all that on Instagram and all that, but you don't see the day-to-day behind-the-scenes stuff. So it's not like I'm a... 
Um, I have all the answers and I'm walking around over here like, look at me, look at me. I've, I have beat this thing. I'm so, no, it's, it's a constant grind. But as I grow older and wiser and learn to control my reactions, which are normally, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Activated, I guess. My reactions are activated by other people. And they say the true strength of a man or a woman is when he's able to control his reactions to people around him that cause that want to cause a reaction. And that's something I work on very hard because there's a lot of fucking ignorant people out there that will make you want to, uh, freak out. Um, so I think I would work on becoming a stronger person by controlling my reactions to things and thinking about the blessings we actually have in life. Another topic I had was finding purpose. Man, let me tell you something. I could go on and on and on and on about finding purpose. Now, my book is about finding post-traumatic purpose, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have experienced trauma to find your purpose. Here's what I, here's what I think. I think a lot of people wind up in life just going through life. And they don't ever truly get to experience purpose. And I'm going to tell you, if you've never experienced purpose, you are missing out. And I, in my heart, believe every single 8 billion people, however many people are here, has a purpose. And it's up to you to discover that. Again, nobody's going to come and find it for you. And it, nine times out of 10, it's not going to fall in your lap. I talk about in my book, I talk about finding purpose in my book and my purpose has changed many times over my life. I don't think our life is destined to be one thing. Travis, how come you changed careers so many times? You were a Marine, you were a police officer, you were a firefighter, you were a comedian, you owned a fucking limousine business. I didn't tell y'all about the hot dog cart. Y'all don't even know about that, that I owned for a fucking week. (laughs) That's That's a... You guys remind me about the hot dog cart in later episodes. I I could do a whole episode on that shit. It's hilarious. Um, I'm not going to get into that. But once this episode airs, which will be in the spring, DM me about the hot dog cart and I'll do an episode on that. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I'd do anything. So, But that hot dog cart is a fucking great story. What I'm getting at is, yeah, I've changed and I've done a lot of different things. And I feel honestly, that's because my purpose continues to change throughout my life. And I just roll with it. I've never been a guy that I'm going to stay in something because of the security of it. I don't want to do something just because of, well, this is all I know. And I'm afraid to go out and try. I'm not afraid of failing. I've never been afraid of failing. I can show you all my report cards from school and you'll be like, yep. That motherfucker wasn't afraid to fail. <laughs> That's where I learned, baby. Learned to fail in school. I learned at a at a at a early age that I wanted to do so many things in life, and I didn't want my life to be one chapter in a book, uh, one boring ass chapter. I want to get all of the experiences that I can possibly get, and I want to make the best of them, and I want to throw myself into them one hundred percent. And that's what you have to do with finding purpose, right? So if you're on a hunt to find your purpose, I would suggest getting outside, relaxing your mind. You're not going to find it in the same environment that you look for it every day. Let me say that again. If you're lacking purpose in life, 
you will not find it in the same environment that you're in every single day. You have to get out of that environment, whether it be for an hour, whether it be for a week, a weekend. Hell, try a few minutes. Switch up your day. Take a couple of minutes off out of your normal day because I guarantee you a lot of you listening probably have the same grind seven days a week. And I hate to say it, but it needs to be said. That's sad. You've allowed yourself to get into that grind and, you, and you're craving something else. And the reason I know that is because I have this question written down. So that means whoever sent me this question is craving an escape from that grind. you got to get out of your comfort zone. Here's another trick I learned about it. You can't Google it, right? When I was at my lowest of lows, I remember Googling what's my purpose. I couldn't find it on Google anywhere. I have all these experiences. I have tons of knowledge. I have skill sets that are unbelievable, right? I don't know who you are, but I will find you. And I will kill. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not Liam Neeson. But do, do, y'all, do y'all know the reference? Here's the thing. I have all these skill sets. And I knew that I had this ability to do something. But I wasn't happy. I was flipping houses. Seven days a week after I got out of uh, comedy. Seven days a week. I had multiple houses going at one time. Um, I just wasn't happy. I was making a fuck ton of money. All right? And that's what we all think. Oh, I'm going to get into flipping houses. I'm going to make a lot of money. Yes, there is a lot of money, but I do not suggest getting involved in that business if you don't know everything about that business because that is how you lose your ass. I happen to have a background in construction, right? Because I grew up building things. I, I working on houses and shit. I had a background in real estate. I knew how to buy and sell real estate. Um, so I got my license and I was able to do my own deals versus pay somebody to do the shit, the easy shit that I knew how to do. Not giving real estate agents 6% of my damn money to do something I know how to do, man, get the fuck out of here. So anyway, as much money as I was making at the time, I just wasn't happy. I, I needed something more. So I'm going to tell you something. I don't. I think I've said this on other podcasts. I, I may have. I'm going to tell you the craziest thing I Googled. I wanted to... Um, you guys know that I love animals, right? And I grew up hunting animals and everything. And I get... I'm not against hunters, right? Like real hunters. Now, if you just fucking pop, pour a goddamn pile of corn in your backyard and sit in your fucking living room and wait for a deer to come eat it and then you shoot it, you, you're not a fucking hunter. You're an asshole. Um, <laughs> that, that's not hunting. I grew up... I grew up hunting. Like my father taught me how to stalk animals and taught me their movements and how to, um, how to track them. And that, that to me is hunting. Um, I think without getting long winded, I think hunting has become so much of a, um, a, a big business as far as like, um, outfitters and distributors and shit like that go that it's gotten way away from the actual art of real hunting. I'm not saying there's not real hunters out there, so don't send me no messages. Oh, you motherfucker, blah, blah, blah. Look, if you're a real hunter, hat is off to you because the shit is hard. It's hard to hunt the correct way. I'm just saying, if you're going to fucking hunt, hunt. Don't pour a pile of corn in your backyard and shoot it when it comes out and pretend like you're John Rambo because you're not. That would be the equivalent of an assassin. I love steak dinner, okay? That would be the equivalent of an assassin calling me up. Hey, Trav, 
You want to you meet it out back tonight for a steak? My treat? Hell yeah, I want to meet it out back for a fucking steak. And then him shooting me from the car when I pull up, right? You know, like, you know where I'm going to be at what time. Come on, is that... That's, that's not so damn hard, is it? Not much of a sport there. That's all I'm saying. But back to what I was getting at. I wanted to... um. I wanted to kill poachers, right? You'd see all these elephants getting um, getting killed for their tusks and all that over in Africa. So I was like, man, you know how fucking great that would be? You got these these people going over killing stuff. How great would that be to be able to hide in the woods and shoot shoot back at them? Because it's easy to shoot at something when it's not shooting back, right? But if you... I, I was like, let me Google this shit. So I started Googling and I found there's actual poaching programs where you can go out and hunt poachers. How gangster is that? And I wanted to do it. And I started looking into it and I was sending messages and shit to different companies, but turned out that they wouldn't allow Westerner Westerners to carry weapons. You were allowed to go out as part of the team, but you couldn't carry a weapon. And I'm like, man, shit, I'm not going to be put in poaching territory and be out there on the hunting side of, of hunting men with no weapons. Are you fucking kidding me? I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> so that's how desperate I was getting for a purpose. And that's just one of many things. So I'm saying, don't, don't go Google your purpose. Let me tell you how the purpose comes to you. Your purpose is out there and it's speaking to you. Right. And I, I truly mean that. And you, you are failing to recognize it. There's times of your life, it's not going to come every day, but there'll be little moments, right? Of little opportunities that flash and things that you think about. If you're constantly thinking about something like you probably should go do that. If you're talking yourself out of doing something that's always trying to lure you into it. And I'm not talking about going to the glory hole. All right. I'm not talking about that. But if you have something that you're always thinking about or every once in a while a thought that you ponder that you'd like to do but you find reasons to not do it there's your fucking your your fucking purpose go find it go try it it could be your purpose you just don't know you're not you're not going to try it cuz you're too scared to go do it cuz most people are scared to get out of their habitual routines and that's that's part of it mine when I wasn't doing comedy I was always thinking about comedy right because I quit comedy for three years, for those of you who don't know. And I kept thinking about it. And little moments in time would happen to where something would pop up on my timeline and remind me of a great time that I had on stage. Or I get a message from someone, hey, you ever coming back to comedy? I mean, it's just these little glimpses of light that were speaking to me. And I realized, man, my, my purpose isn't fucking poaching human beings or hunting poachers. My purpose is being on that goddamn stage where I belong. And that's what happened. I got back to what I really love doing. And I found every excuse not to go to go to it at first. Well, I'm gone from my family too much and this and that. And the travel sucked and blah. And I found <clears throat> excuse me. I found all these reasons to keep putting it off. Until eventually one day I said, you know what? I gotta go back to it. And when I did, let me tell you something. I was in Palm, is it, no, Shows, I can't, I don't, oh, Port Charlotte. I went to Port Charlotte, Florida. The first time I'd, I'd ever been on stage in three years. I'd been off for three years. We had sold out shows, six, six or seven sold out shows. First day back, baby girl, first day. And so shows were sold out and it was amazing 
And when I got back into that, man, I, man, I was on top of the world. Schedule started getting booked out. I was booked for all of 2020. Then COVID came, bam, hey, fuck you. We want your dates back, right? So COVID took all my dates. And instead of having a goddamn pity party, what did I do? I just dealt with the situation. Yeah, I lost a lot of money. I lost a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of fun. But you know what? I squeezed that fucking lemon that 2020 gave us and I made lemonade. And you know what I did? I was able to write my first book because had that have not happened, 2020, I would have never gotten my book out there. And I would not be doing this podcast because I'd be out there grinding on the comedy stages. So life has a way of redirecting us where we're supposed to be. Stop fighting it. And I always go back to do the things you want to do. You got to do the things you want to do in life, people, or you're not living. You're just existing. And what do you want to do when you, when you lay on your deathbed at whatever, whenever that may be, do you want to look back and say, man, I wish I had more time to do the things I want to do. Or would you lay there with a fucking smile on your face and be like, you know what? I don't have all the money in the bank, but it don't matter because I got a lifetime of wonderful experiences and I lived this son of a bitch the best that I could. I'm out lick ass. That's the route I want to go. I hope that you guys find this um, entertaining as well as resourceful. Um, I didn't mean that when you're on your deathbed, you you wish you would have licked ass. That's not what I was getting at. Um, <laughs> so that's not what I was saying. But I'm just hoping that you guys, if if you feel like you need more in life, guess what? The only way to, to get more is to go out and get it. And you got to do it. Nobody's going to do it for you. And a lot of us are just waiting around for shit to happen and for things to fall in our lap. And that's just not how wonderful life's happen. You got to go out and earn that shit. And that's part of the fun in it, right? What fun would it be if, if it was just handed to you? I look back on my comedy career and granted, I wasn't a household name, nor do I try to pretend to be, but I had an amazing career. I still do when, when we can get going again, I'm actually going to be in Birmingham at the Stardome comedy club coming up uh, in a couple weeks. And I look back at everything I'd been through and it was worth it. I wouldn't change it. It was all worth it. All the kicks in the balls and boy, I got some kicks in the balls. They were all worth it and they all needed to happen. Because they led me right where I need to be in life. And I'm hoping that you guys can find that. And maybe some of you, you you are right where you need to be and you know it. And so this is in one ear and out of the other. Hey, fucking good on you. I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. So many people, unfortunately, don't get it figured out in time. And then they spend the rest of their life wishing they had more time. We only have so much. So make the most of it. Do the things you want to do because you damn deserve it. Stop making excuses for why you don't deserve a good life. And especially if you've been through any kind of trauma in your life, I know how it goes. You feel like you don't deserve a good life, but you do. You do. And you got to go get it. That's it for this episode. Uh, man, thank you guys so much for being here. I wasn't able to get to all of the topics that were suggested to me um, last week. So I still have one, two, three, four more, four more different topics to include balancing military life with career and school. Um, Thoughts from spouses on first responders. I can't wait to dive into that with you guys. And then advice for volunteers who sign up with no experience and the things that they go through, which is going to be a great episode, I think, because, you know, volunteers, volunteer firefighters, 
they go back to normal jobs after seeing the shit that they see, right? At least professional firefighters. I was always around other professional firefighters and I always got to, um, we had that cohesiveness and they understood what the fuck just happened. So I didn't have to go, um, to a fire, pull out dead children and then go back to Best Buy and deal with people in the corporate world. I can't imagine how fucking difficult that must be. So we're going to talk about that uh, in future episodes. Thank you guys so much. I'm at my 35-minute mark. I'm 27 seconds over. I'm really trying to focus on getting you guys um, through an episode before you get home or before you finish up that cardio. Till next time, baby girl, I love y'all. Thank you so much for the support. Y'all are the best. 